Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Happy New Year 2023. Uh, we love to lean in in the month of January to uh, focus on kicking off the new year well. And uh, we pray that uh, you're enjoying the first several weeks here. We just got off of an amazing week with a couple great nights of ministry with Jim and Lisa Anderson and what we call week one here at Living Stones. Uh, and I love uh, what I love about week one is just the posturing, uh, just the, the perspective of coming into a new year, not like I'm going to make all these great changes and I, I'm going to, you know, uh, do great things, but really just coming and, and saying, Lord, the, the new year is really, it's your, your year. I belong to you. And, uh, and uh, help me uh, posture myself in a place of humility and openness and tenderness to where you could really use me. And that's what we, we had for a couple days, as you know, was just people's hearts getting tenderized, uh, uh, great repentance. Sometimes I think we think repentance is a bad word. Repentance is really a great word. It's getting our hearts in alignment with God so he can bless us and work through us and just fresh consecration. So that's been phenomenal. And we also had a great market share, uh, which uh, I'll have Pastor Andrew talk about in just a minute. Um, good stuff happening. And I got to bring everybody up to speed, too. I, I just love progress. You know, sometimes when you're working on yourself or you're working on your heart, we can't see it. It's not like obvious. But when you're working on a, a foundation in real dirt with big, big, heavy equipment, I drive by. I hear that little beep, beep, beep from my uh, kitchen, mm-hmm. my kitchen. And I realized, hey, there is activity happening out there. And uh, Marion knows that little beep, beep, beep sound is one of the it's music to my ears because it is synonymous with progress. And we're seeing a lot of progress happening uh, with our new facility. Uh, the foundation has been dug out. Uh, the rebar is here. Uh, all that's going to be, even though it's been kind of a rainy, uh, warm week, they're in the trenches shaping all that up. And, uh, and we should have a foundation here. Uh, before too long and uh, and then the steel comes and then it gets to be really really crazy so it's going to be a fun year uh we're excited about what the lord has in store and pastor andrew and i want to talk a little bit today about having intentional impact as it relates to um setting uh, ourselves aside and setting ourselves and kind of leading into a new year for change and transformation i wanted to begin uh just by reading a couple of passages uh, that deal with this whole idea of resolutions. One is here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, I pray this encourages you this morning or whenever it is that you're listening or watching. Uh, Paul writes, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Um, I love this. Sometimes we get a little bit jaded about New Year's resolutions, especially Americans. Um, uh, we don't always do so well of, uh, of walking through or following through. But Paul specifically says here, may God fulfill every resolve for good. There's something good about making good resolves, you know? Like we should be thinking, what do I want to do differently? What is, what is God wanting to do differently in my life? And if it's a resolve for good, then God's behind it, you know. And uh, and so I I really want to encourage people, think about what are your resolves in 2023 for good? What are the things you want to see done? And notice the second part here, every work of faith. That's another critical, I think, part to uh, living a new year in success is that you have good resolves and that you do it in faith, Uh, which is why, again, I love week one, starting a year off 
ex expressing your heart toward God. You're going to move in faith. You're going to trust him. It's not in our own strength. It's in his strength. So I just like to always establish that, like making resolutions is good. And trusting God to carry them through is good. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I want to encourage all of our people, like pause. Think about what is it this year that God's putting in your heart. Move forward in faith with that. And if it's a good resolve, and if it's a resolve in faith, and then lastly here, so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. So good resolves done in faith for the glory of God. I think that's a, a great recipe. And I know, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, what I share, Marcus shares this. Uh, to me, New Year resolution is like, it's a cultural phenomenon, right? You right. and I both kind of feel that way. Um, I have to make a new resolution almost on a weekly basis. If I don't make it on a weekly basis, I won't grow. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a good jumping off point for New Year resolution. And you, you mentioned the word repent. I mean, the, the Greek word for repent is metaneo, which really means just uh, a renewal of your mind, a yeah. changing, a shifting of your mind to think differently. And, yeah. and, and of all the different types of changes we try to make, I w I'm 100% certain at this point working with different leaders, different Christians, business owners, the hardest thing to change is your mind. Because yep. you can hear information, you can hear preaching, you can agree with it, but to fundamentally change how you think, your wiring, there's yep. neuroscience to even support this, how difficult it is to change your mind. In fact, social media, addiction habits are all constructed by psychologists in a certain way to help yep. you change your mind well, in a bad way to I align just, with addiction. I just have to say one of yep. my favorite messages at Living Stones of all time was a message that you preached when we were focusing on uh, the book Atomic Habits, mm -hmm. but you were talking about how unless your identity changes, like what you believe yeah. in your mind about who you are, if there's not a change in identity, there's really not a lasting change in our habits. And, and that's behavior. that's the reason why you have people who who keep you know get so you know fired up about something and they come alter their prayer and next week they come for the prayer for the same thing and the week after week i, I studied that phenomenon yeah. i've been around that my whole life i've been church my whole life wondering what causes that some person to have a true uh repentant experience and then change their lives for good and other people don't now obviously the holy spirit and the work of god has a big part to do with that yeah. but but I, I don't understand that. And, and, and I, I want from a science, for me as a scientist, I want to know what, what is our part in that so that I don't go through the same mountain over and over again so that when I truly change, I changed. Well, and I, I carry that pastors, through. I think this is what we've seen. You know, you can be in the moment where the Holy Spirit is moving and genuinely feel broken about your sin or genuinely realize I've got to change my life in the moment. But then when, when Monday comes, let's just say, yeah. Um, that's where I think what you're saying is so important. If there's not been an ongoing daily renewal of our mind, if we don't align our hearts and our mind with the Lord and believe what God says, then that change seems to kind of fizzle out. And I think a lot of Christians are disillusioned sometimes. Like, I tried that, you know, I, I repented, but then I went back to my sin, whatever the sin was, and they get defeated, and then they just quit. Well, I think that's the problem is because the the the— American church, well, I wouldn't say American, the, the church, the culture of the church in the last hundred years has been about events. They're events driven and not discipleship driven. And I say that by I mean, but by that, because Sunday is an event. We right. focus on these major events. We focus on these mountaintop experiences yeah. and we call that a success. We show a picture, we show our numbers. But what I'm really looking for, that's a win for me, is not that we gather lots of people, we have this crazy event 
Uh, what I'm looking for is actual impact in our yeah. culture. I want to see is our culture really impact? Uh, is, is is the society getting better? Is our crime reducing? You know, are people more integrous? Are people more honest? And what that comes from is not from events. It from, from comes from the daily specific minute by minute actions that we yeah. take, which happens in a non glorious, right? Not social media driven, <laughs> right. in the day to day grind. But we have not been good at equipping people with those day to day walk and steps because we're so focused on big events. Yeah. I think the, you know, again, uh, I love what Jim Anderson said uh, last week. Uh, he said, you know, the church needs to be deep and wide. We sing that song, Deep and Wide, Deep and Wide, a uh, little kinder, or a children's ministry song. But his point was, you know, we need to be wide in the sense of our influence and outreach and impact, and we need to go deep in the sense of our devotion and consecration to God and maturity and so forth. I think the events are important because they're catalytic. There's something that happens in the moment when people are together and when the Holy Spirit is present that's different than the experience we feel maybe on Monday morning when we're spending time alone with God. Both are critical, but I think, to your point, we've not done such a good... We focus so much on the event that we've maybe neglected helping people change. I, I think the, the day-to-day grind is even more critical. I'll give you a reason why. Because yeah. there's six days of day-to-day, day-to-day day grind. <laughs> and there's only one Sunday of... of, of the event in a, in a regular basis, you know, some people yeah. might attend Wednesday night service, life group. That's why we encourage those things to reinforce that. Yeah. But on a day to day grind, if those steps are not in place, man, it, it become you become an event junkie. And what that actually do is inoculate you with a of, with a degree of Christianity of, of Christ's character, but not the actual walking out which causes a whole other form of Christianity. You know, that's why we talk about these countries where there's heavy persecution. Yeah. There is there is a clear divide between those who are devout and those who are not. Yeah. The Christianity thrive. Yeah, there's, why not, there's not as much room to, for drifting or getting off yeah, track. Yeah, because there's a day-to-day grind, yeah. that yeah. day-to-day clarity of yeah. grinding, saying, hey, I am devoted. And whereas in our culture, we face... So So my point is, we, or if we want to grow people, we have to... Yeah, we, we have events. Those are natural. We do those naturally. We have to really help people in the day-to-day grind. What does that look like to truly have an impact? Because, I, and here's the temptation, it's good to celebrate the events. Everyone celebrates those things. Everyone, but but no one celebrates and talks about the day they grind because you can't really see it. Right. Right? It's kind of invisible, like right. you said. Right. But, but to or, me... Or foggy, you know. Right. And but, that that's, you know, back to the New Year's resolution, yeah. uh, epic failure... Uh, just some data here, and then we'll talk a little bit about why. Um, 25% of people who make a resolution abandon it after just one week. I mean, yeah. that's demoralizing. Like, I'm going to go to the gym every day, and I'm going to work out. And then, you know, after one week, you've already failed. You know I mean? It's like, ugh. Or uh, 50% abandon the goal after six months. And then the average person, this is incredible, the average person makes the same resolution 10 times without success. Now, I've always admired people who take this time to be, you know, self-reflective. They open up their journal and they write all these cool things that even prayers out to the Lord. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that better in 2023. And then I, somebody will buy me a journal and I'm so excited. I open up to the first page. It's blank. And I'm like, I get to fill this journal. Do you know how many journals I have that have one entry or two entries? Start the next journal. (laughs) I have a whole stack of of journals that have one page, you know. There's Pastor Ron's life in 1989, uh, right there in two paragraphs. Um, So I get it, you know, because there's been certain things I've I've wanted to do, but for some reason, you know, I've not experienced success. And, And so people, I think, you know, just skip the whole process. 
But here's something I pointed out last night, and I think it's going to tie into you know what you what you shared at, at uh, market share. I think the problem is most of our New Year's resolutions fall into the area of self improvement. So whenever we we get into a new year, and I'm going to make myself or improving myself the fo- whole focal point of the new year experiment, I think we're setting ourselves up for failure right from the start. Let me let me illustrate. Mm-hmm. Um, these were a listing of the top New Year's resolutions, all right? Number one, lose weight. We all eat too much over the holidays. Everybody wants to lose weight. Uh, getting organized, spending less, saving more. How about this one? Enjoying life to the fullest. Number five, staying fit and healthy, developing a healthy lifestyle. Learning something new and exciting. Quitting smoking or maybe some other habit that you have. Um, helping other people with their dreams. Number nine, I'm not sure is a true goal. Falling in love. I'm not sure that's something we can control. But I have so much to say about that one. <laughs> love is not something you fall into. Love is something you learn and you get better at. And I'll, that's all Come I'll on, say. That, that sounds has, like a podcast. That has nothing right to do with falling in love. That's a Hollywood, whatever. I like that, Matthew. That's a podcast yeah. that we're going to. It's not about falling right. in love. It's about learning love. Anyways. And, and this is a good one. Yeah. Spending more time with family. Okay. But when you look at all of these, I think the problem is, number one, they all fall generally under the personal improvement model, nothing about remaking yourself, but they tend to be vague and foggy, kind of what you talked about, and and, and so as a... In the process, we lose sight of them, and we're, you know, or, or how about this? They're just not grand enough. They're not big enough. They're not legacy-related. They're, they're not of, of such importance that we... They keep our interest for very long. So I would think most people, if you talk to them after six months into the new year, they'd be like, hey, tell me your top three New Year's resolutions. They probably couldn't even tell you what those are just because they're kind of foggy to start with. Yeah. And um, I, I think uh, perhaps our focus is wrong and the, the plan and the process is maybe flawed because here's the deal. And I know you can relate to this. Every one of us that knows Jesus, you you want to you want to live a life that matters. You you truly want to make the most out of the life God's blessed us yeah. with, right? For His glory. And so I think this whole idea of of um, what was the two words that you contrasted in your message? Uh, for, Urgent and important. Yeah, talk talk about that because I think that I think that feeds into this larger gnawing desire. You know. Well, before I get to that, I think you mentioned these these. Uh, res, top resolution, lose weight, they seem so um, not grand. I, I think here's a paradox that yeah. we, our, our, our missional statement has to be big enough that's bigger than us that we can lay our lives down for. Right. And when I say lay our lives down, I don't mean like literally kill yourself, but you have to sacrifice for right. it. Okay? But to accomplish that missional takes the, the menial grind on the day-to-day. You don't say, well, I want to go and change the world. What does that even mean? Well, change the world one day might mean, on a day-to-day basis, might mean that you don't eat that piece of chocolate cake so you can be healthier, so you have more energy. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a macro picture and there's a micro picture. Yeah. And everyone who wants to talk about changing the world and not focus on a micro, I don't take them seriously. Yeah. Because you're the one who's like, one, I'm a millionaire. I'm going to give all that to the church. Well, are you typing right now? So, oh, so, that, so that's a podcast. Right? That's a different podcast. <laughs> My point is, you know, I when I was in all school I, as a teacher, all school I, kids were like, I want to be an astronaut. I'm like, do you know how much math you need to know to be an astronaut? Why don't you just come to school on time for now? Just show up yeah. to school on time. My point is, this is where people get confused. Well, I want to focus on the big things. I want to focus on the little things. We need to focus on both. You need to have big enough vision 
so that it drives you and the clarity of this mission, who you, who God's called you to be and where you're going to go, okay, which is a big deal, but you need to break that missional purpose to, to micro steps so that you can do on a day-to-day basis so there's traction. Yeah. And people get stuck in one and they lose focus. <laughs> They're like, what's the point of me not eating this cake? What am I doing this for? And they give up. Yeah. Or they focus on a big idea, but they get no traction because they have no idea yeah. what to do on a day-to-day basis. The macro idea is kind of sexy. It's inspirational. But yeah, the, it's like meaningless. you said, the traction comes in the day-to-day. It's a small building block. You have to be faithful with the little before God will give you more. Yeah. And I want to get back, you know, I think a big message from our week one was just uh, on letting God break your heart. In other words, it, it, the heart is the, is the source of the desire. So you can't even get into the, the specific traction points, right? You can't even get there until you have a heart that really wants more. And I love the illustration. I'm going to date myself here. Uh, but back in the day, there was a cartoon uh, uh, called Popeye. All right, and Popeye had a, a, a romantic interest, right, in olive oil. Yeah, and then he had a he had an enemy out there every episode uh, who named Bluto, who was trying to d- steal the girl and same and kill plot every episode. Yeah, every yeah. episode. Yeah. episode, same thing. It was like a Hallmark movie. Um, <laughs> like a Looney Tunes. It's like Looney Tunes. The coyotes are always trying to get the. But here, but there, there was always a critical point in each episode. You could wait for it. Where Popeye at a low moment when the girl was stolen and he was, you know, reduced to nothing, um, he would make a statement. He said, this is all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And all of a sudden he would reach for, uh, he was working on a better diet, all right? He would reach for a can of spinach and somehow he would open up the spinach, even if he was tied up with a rope, Mm -hmm. you know. He would somehow be able to get the spinach out. And as soon as he ate the spinach, all right, so he stopped eating chocolate cake, to your point. He started eating, you know, a kale. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all of a sudden, he had a surge of strength that happened. And then he would go, you know, beat, the, beat up the bad guy and uh, sweep the girl off of her feet. Right. Um, but I think the point was, for me, this is all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And, uh, to me, it speaks of getting to a place where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, or where you you just you cannot stand uh, being in bondage any longer. You cannot stand the fact that you're you're not free, or that you're not walking in joy, or that you know you got issues in your life that you know are loose ends or strongholds. In other words, I think there's got to be uh, at the core of who we are a cry to be everything Christ has called us to be. There's got to be a desire for freedom. I, th- I think any resolution that's of any value starts with the heart. It starts with a heart cry that simply says, God, I want whatever it is to be different, or I, I want to know what you want, or I need the power, Lord, to live this out. It, it, but it starts with the heart. I think that's why the Bible exhorts us, guard above all else, guard your heart, because out of your heart come the issues of life. I think, to me, what separates people is where that line is, because if some people need to be almost thrown in jail or 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 they're locked down or the kids are taken away from them before they're like, oh, we should probably reform the government. And there's others who are, who who has a different calling, have a different sense, you know, yeah. they sense the time better and they can say, I'm just using a very, very explicit example, very volatile example, to say, hey, you know what? That thing that happened down in a different state even though it has nothing to do with Indiana, that's really messed up, and that's coming later, and I need to resolve today. I mean, I'll, I'll use a more basic example. There's people who get a heart attack, and they're like, I should probably change my diet. And there's someone who, after holidays, gained one pound, and they said, you know what? I've resolved to change. And I think the invitation for us 
is that can we have insight and when we have foresight to see and not wait till, you know, the, the enemy's at the gate, but that, but that way earlier we can say, you know what, that's resolved to make things better when we still have an advantage, when things are still not as bad, yeah. right? Because that's why mo- most people don't declare that resolution till things are really, really bad. I wouldn't say too late necessarily, because right. it's never too late for God, right. they, until things like, get really bad. It's a resolution is birthed out of a crisis moment. And and I think the goal is, let, let's not have to live out of crisis uh, management. So so going back to, you know, kind of what Sean Marcus shared, the urgent and then the important. You know, many times our lives are driven by the urgent. Yeah. That means we're in crisis mode. You're, yeah. you're one crisis after another crisis, yeah. and you sit around putting out fires, and then you're saying, I have no time, I have no energy, I'm just putting all these stressed different fires, out, I'm stressed tired, out, yeah. you're a victim, and everyone else is just ruining your day because of all these different crises. Whereas you got other people who there's no crisis, and everything's going well, and they have so much, and they're, they're, they're fruitful, yeah. they're accomplished, and they, they're at peace. They have Margin. time to go on vacation. They have yeah. time to love their family. And you're just wondering, what's the difference between these two people? They're both made in the image and likeness of God. What's the difference? Well, one person lives in crisis. The other person might, in the beginning, start out with a bunch of crisis, mm-hmm. but they create margins to deal with what is important. Yeah. And that's what I mean by the foresight to say, wow, we're not in crisis yet. So I'm gonna, I'm, I don't have a heart attack yet, but if I continue like this, I will. Right. So today I'm going to go focus on the important. It's not urgent yet. I want to go exercise. I want to go and eat yeah. better. I want to go, you know, take my wife out on dates. Even yeah. though our relationship is okay, yeah. we're not in crisis or yet. Or I encourage people, hey, you know, especially newlyweds, or if you're in the, you know, relatively new in the marriage journey, Hey, just spend the first six months of the year going to marriage class. You know, like don't wait for, don't wait to where you're not talking yeah. and where you're thinking about filing for divorce. Like, be proactive. Get a vision for a happy, you know, live happily ever after kind of relationship. But that, and I said, the difference between the kind of being a reactive person or a proactive person, having a vision for your life, um, or again, be, even even the crisis itself is reactionary uh, in the sense that you're moving from one crisis moment to the next crisis moment to the next crisis moment, and then wanting yeah. to try to maybe change in between. But it doesn't work that way. It, it's just more it's harder when you were living in a bunch of crisis. That's yeah. what I'm trying to tell. I'm trying to teach my kids now. Yeah. The earlier the the earlier you focus on important. Okay, the more successful you're going to be. To me, that's the number one difference between someone who's successful and an organization that's successful versus organization that's not is that they have the foresight or nation that's successful to have the foresight to say, hey, you know what? We're dealing with this crisis later. That's not kick this can down. You know the role and deal with it later. Let's deal with this impending inflation or impending, uh, you know, debt crisis, whatever is now before it's too yeah. late. Yeah. No, and I love what you said about you know teaching your kids this to think this way and to plan this way and to have a vision for their life. Uh, one of my favorite people, as you know, is Jonathan Edwards, and th- this is incredible. You know, uh, the, the Andersons were talking about large families and the blessing of children and. And when you look at some of the greatest voices, especially in Christendom, you'll notice they weren't firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn. Jonathan Edwards was the 11th child. Now, what would happen if the family decided to stop, you know, after one? There'd be no Jonathan Edwards, okay? And I'm not trying to to tell people how many kids they have, but my point is simply this. Um, Edwards was was 11th. Uh, he himself had a large family, and from a very early age, maybe because he was surrounded with older brothers and sisters, I don't know why, but from a very early age, he began making resolutions over his life. And he would, to your point, he would. these were not just, you know, pie-in-the-sky things. 
he would review these resolutions weekly. Yep. He had 70 different resolutions. Because he actually mean it. It was yep. not like a cultural so thing. Yeah, he, he actually cared it, about he it. He would yeah. go over it. And, and so let me give you um, a, a couple of them that I think are really, really powerful. Like I said, he had 70 resolves. One of them, resolved to live with all my might while I do live. That, that's a great one. In other words, I'm going to p- put my whole heart into the way that I live as long as God gives me breath. Here's another one. Resolved. Never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Boy, that would save a lot of folks from doing really stupid things if they started their day with a, with a, uh, a, a right in the forefront of their mind. I'm not going to do anything today that I would not be embarrassed to stand before Jesus and give it account for. You know, um, so he had an eternal perspective, but but he built this as a routine, and 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 really these resolves. <coughs> Speak back to the identity issue, you know, that from one of my favorite messages you ever preached. He had a vision to be a godly man and to finish well, and the resolves fed that vision. It reminded him of who he was and, and what he was committed to. Now, we're also serious about not just us living godly lives, but leaving a legacy. Listen to the legacy that Jonathan Edwards left. This is uh, the, the Bible scholar Benjamin Warfield from Princeton. He charted 1,300, almost 1,400 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards. What he found was an incredible testament to this great man. Uh, Of his known descendants, check this out, there were 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 Army and Navy officers, 100 pastors, 60 authors of prominence, three United States senators, 80 public servants in other capacities, including uh, governors, ministers to foreign countries, and one vice president of the United States. How would you like that to be, you know, your lasting legacy? And, you know, when I think of of what we do as pastors in the local church, it's not just our biological children, it's our spiritual children. I would love at some point to be able to to read and say, you know what, here's the fruit of, you know, uh, four generations, ten generations of, of Livingstone's life and be able to read a list like that um, of the people that have been raised up and the impact that's been made just by, ra- you know, discipleship, teaching people not only the macro but the micro and how to live out their lives for the glory of God. And, you know, um, you ready for some action steps for, for our audience? Come on, come on. I, I, we I, like think, I think you step. hear about the resolve, some that Jonathan Edwards resolve, you're like, wow, that's so unapproachable like you know live every day as if this is my last you know like like we say people say that Jonathan mm-hmm. Edward actually meant it and not, and not everyone's ever, I don't want I don't want to think everyone's Jonathan Edward I'm certainly no Jonathan Edward but you know what I did was I simply look at the different territories that God's given me my family yeah. my work my business you know my relationship with my wife my, my body my health and I said what I'm gonna list some items that write down on my journal Items that is important but not urgent. Here's the reason why you need to write it down. It's because when things get busy and tired and stressful, you will follow what is clear and not what is important. You will follow whatever is clear. When things get pressure, when there's a bunch of voices screaming at you, yeah. when I'm my kids are screaming, or you know, when I'm stressed, I just want to sit down and cope and like turn on TV and watch a game or just cope. In those moments, I need to be able to pick up my journal. And the action steps of what is important needs to be so clear for me to do that I can just certainly do those things. Now, how, and often, I, how often do you recommend going back and 
reminding yourself. I guess you don't want to just get to a crisis point or where you're weak and I, was, I need to pull the job. Like, I think you need to make a list. Do you have a system? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm learning this myself, but like the New Year's Eve, again, I totally forgot it was even New Year's Eve because I don't normally do New Year's resolution, but I felt such anxiety because I knew for 2023 I have so many things I got to do, but most of those things are not urgent. They're important. So, so thank God I don't have a lot of fires in my life right now. But I have a lot of urgent things. I mean, important things. I know if I if I get zoned out, if I get tired, if I get stressed, I won't do. So I made a list of all the things. I'll give you some examples. Yeah. Like I got to change my gutters in my house. I don't want to work on my house because I am inept <laughs> at those things, and they cause me stress and anxiety. And there's nothing exciting about changing it. Well, some or... people are super excited about it. <laughs> I have friends who are super excited. I want nothing to do with it. I don't even know how to do it. I need to ask somebody and buy a blah blah blah. The point is, but is changing gutter urgent? Not necessarily. But if I don't change it, it will become urgent right, right. when, when my basement floods, right? <laughs> so, th- so that's one of those things. Like, yeah. I got to go get a blood test from Dr. Brand, MD, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. the blood test, whatever. I hate going to see a doctor. I hate getting, it's not because doc- I just general, I hate needles. I hate all that stuff. But <laughs> is that important for my health? Now, yes, in general, I'm healthy. Yeah. And it's not urgent. I don't have any diseases. I'm not blah, 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 blah. But I know I need to do it. If I don't write that down, and, and when I have spare time, what I need to do is I need to open that journal. I need to look through that list and say, hey, we need to work on this. I need to work on this. I need to check on this. I need to check on this. Oh, instead of sitting on my phone, scrolling through YouTube, I need to go ahead and do this step instead. Yeah. And if that step is not crystal clear, and it's like ambiguous, guess what? I'm closing that book. I'm going back to what's easy, yeah. which is yeah. my social media. But it says, hey, look up online how to change gutter. Look up YouTube how to change gutter. Like I'm trying to learn counting. I'm studying this book about how to learn counting. This next chapter, do the next chapter. Would you be able to do my taxes this year? Nope, not that type of counting. <laughs> you don't want me doing your taxes. General counting for the purpose of the church. Because yeah. you know, because we're, we're yeah. trying to do yeah. things at Livingstone's Church. We're trying to focus on what is important before it gets urgent, yeah. hence the building project, right? Yes. Well, yeah, that was kind of, that was actually kind of urgent already. <laughs> but you know, we're still trying to be ahead of the curve. I'm telling you, if you focus on what is important, even just one thing, and yeah. don't live in the in in the urgent, live in importance. Just one time, just one thing in your life, you will become more and more fruitful and productive. Yeah, that's so, so good, so good. So that's our prayer for you guys this year. Join us uh, as number one. Keep your heart centered on Jesus. Keep your heart close to him. Make this year about him and not so much about your self-improvement. I have this theory that we we will improve as we uh, pursue Jesus. He's He's the expert at, at helping us be changed and transformed. So be God-centered. Be focused on his heart. In fact, before you're asking what it is about your life you need to change, why don't you say, Lord, what's on your heart? What would you? How would you like to use my life today to bring you glory? Uh, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago in the series on Mark about Jesus' pattern or template for ministry. And um, we talked about building a team. We talked about starting at home. You know, it's great to make some goals in your in your home. Like how do, like you said, if you're married, how, what, how's my marriage? How can I make it better? How can I be a better dad to my sons or a better father to my daughters? You know, it's different raising sons and different raising daughters. And and who do, which child do I need to connect with more? And and how do and you know how do I minister to my wife better? How do I understand her better? I mean, that that's just the foundational 
you know, areas of the home life. And then we talked about loving people and making people a priority. So think about the goals around loving people. Who is it in your neighborhood maybe you want to have over for dinner or, or maybe somebody in the workplace that you just need to reach out to or maybe maybe a relationship where, where, where people don't like you and God's wanting you to do the radical thing and love them anyway. Um, you know, the, these are foundational things. I want to challenge people. You know, we talked about sharing the good news of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, and then being able, you know, when I shared a few weeks ago about, hey, whose job is it to pray for sick people and to see oppressed people set free? It's all of our jobs, not just our pastor's jobs. It's all of our jobs. So why not put some books on your on your book list that would say, hey, I, I need to learn more about ministering deliverance, or I want to know how to pray for the sick. I mean, there's all kinds of great resources, kingdom resources that could guide us into being more effective and well, more fruitful. That's exactly it. Date night with your wife is focusing important before urgent. If you don't know, you, if you don't know, oh, God's call for me. I'll tell you one thing: the number one call in your life right now is your family. That you don't need the word from the Lord, specific, you know, burning bush to tell you that. Yep. Are you focused on importance for your kids, for your family, for yep. your husband, for your wife? So good, you know. And that's just that's just as practical as get. But as, like you said, you know. I have to carve out time to read books. I have to. Yep. That is focusing on the important yep. to improve myself. Whatever area that I need to grow in, if I'm leading people, I need leadership development books. Yep. If I'm learning about finances, I need finance books. Yep. That's all focusing on the important before it gets. And right if there. you're not a reader, get an Audible account, Pastor. Pastor, listen uh, to a podcast. There's, yeah. t- there's tons of good podcasts that's going to give you. I mean, there's there's no excuse Absolutely. to not get information in our technology age. So, key word: intentional yeah. impact. Yeah. Let's be intentional and let's be committed to leaving the biggest impact. I think Amen. the impact is the forty thousand foot vision. The intentional is those little baby steps that we take every day to help us get there. So we're believing this year is gonna be a year of incredible fruitfulness. We're partnering with you uh, and uh, we're committed to your success. Thank you for tuning in and watching. Share this far and wide uh, and we look forward to being with you next week.